Good morning. The scripture reading this morning is from Matthew 5, verses 21 through 26. You have heard that it was said to those who live long ago, don't commit murder, and all who commit murder will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with their brother or sister will be in danger of judgment. If they say to their brother or sister, you idiot, they will be in danger of being condemned by the governing council. And if they say, you fool, they will be in danger of fiery hell. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go. First, make things right with your brother or sister and then come back and offer your gift. Be sure to make friends quickly with your opponents while you are with them on the way to court. Otherwise, they will haul you before the judge. The judge will turn you over to the officer of the court and you will be thrown into prison. I say to you in all seriousness that you won't get out of there until you've paid the very last penny. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to be God. God. <clears throat> Thank you, Karen. Well, we are in week three of the greatest sermon ever preached, the Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And uh, I appreciate Susan. She helped lay a really good foundation for us the first two Sundays. And uh, if you'll recall, two weeks ago, Susan talked about the Beatitudes and it was new rules of the game. I mean, uh, every way that you thought you were keeping score, Jesus preached on the mountain, throw it all out. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And on and on and on. That the rules of the game are changing with those who are claimed by Jesus Christ. The rules of the game are changing. And losers might look like winners. Winners might look like losers. You never can tell. But Jesus pushes us to see the world in a very different way. First thing. Second week, Susan talked um, about Jesus saying, you are salt and light. Right? So Jesus is on the hill. He's preaching. He's identified those who dared to be near to him while he was teaching, you are salt and light. He didn't say, I want you to try to be a little bit more like salt and light people. Try a little harder. He said, no, you are salt and light. And as Susan said last week, it changes not only the way we see the world, but the way we see ourselves. Jesus is looking at these clumsy disciples and all these people who dare to follow him, and he says, you're already in. I love you already. My grace has been bestowed upon you, and it is sufficient. You belong. You have everything you need in my kingdom to do and to be what you need to do and to be. And now for the next four or five weeks, based on that foundation of our purpose and our identity, now Jesus really gets to meddling, okay? Let's just, let's just be honest. He's talking about our anger. Um, now, be honest. We sang about being honest, so we're, this is get honest time right quick, okay? How many of you have gotten angry in the last 30 days? Raise your hand. Okay. All right, good. Okay, you're being honest. Okay. How many of you have gotten angry this week? Okay, good. All right, good. How many of you got angry this morning? Anybody? Okay, good. 
Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, just pay attention next week. Uh, you'll, you'll have your opportunities for sure. Anger is a reality in life. Anger is an emotion. It's, uh, but it's so interesting to me that once Jesus starts to talk about how we are to behave, how we are to respond to Jesus' grace, how are we to live into being salt in life, he could have started with any topic. But his number one topic is anger. Anger is so powerful. It's a deep emotion that stops you in your tracks. It's like that light going off on your dashboard that is something, something is wrong. Anger is that emotion inside of you that lets you know there is a threat that needs to be dealt with. Now, though we may be set off by anger, we might blame it on somebody else, really and truly, anger is not something that happens externally to us, right? Anger is an inside job. It is internal. Nobody makes me feel the way I feel. But anger is, maybe begins with the stories that I tell myself or how I respond to a situation. Now, we live in a very angry world, do we not? Seems like it's getting angrier by the day. Um, I've backed off Facebook just a little bit, and you know why. You start reading the threads, and you'll read something that you agree with and say, yeah, I'm angry too about that. I'm mad too. Or you'll read something that somebody said that's the opposite opinion, and then you get mad, a little self-righteous indignation, right? I kind of caught myself doing that, and I thought, you know, I just need to back up. Um... We live in an angry world. We see it on TV. We see it on our computers. Everybody is angry. And all of us, if we're to be honest, we are vulnerable to the emotion of anger. And it feels like a struggle I deal with very often. Uh, I asked you if you got angry this week. Okay, I got angry this week. I was taking Susanna on Tuesday morning... She turned 16 on Tuesday, right? So the rite of passage for a 16-year-old goes through the Department of Motor Vehicles. And if you haven't gone by there to get your driver's license, I mean, it was like a big scavenger hunt, right? Have to get the... So, now, I didn't do any of this. Jen did that, so I'm not going to take credit. But it sent Jen on a scavenger hunt. So security card, uh, birth certificate, um, a notarized letter from the school. For what, I don't, I'm not sure what, it, what that was about. But we thought we had everything until the woman said at like 8.30 um, when, after we waited for, you know, 12 other people to go, uh, I need to see proof of insurance, please. Okay, no big deal. So, so Susanna goes back and, and gets the proof of insurance and the date is expired. So uh, now we've got insurance. I'm not driving around with no insurance. Um, so I call MetLife. And here's, here's how it went. Um, where is it? Press 1 or say 1 for home insurance. <laughs> Press 2 or say 2 for auto. Press or say 3 for a claim. Press or say 4 for an addition in your policy. Nowhere, no button could I push. Just, I just wanted them to email me proof of insurance, right? So I, I said, I want to see a representative. Press or say one, two for auto. Press or say, no, I want to see it. No matter how slowly I said it and no matter how angry I got, right? Nothing, nothing. Until finally, I mean, I just started yelling at the phone, 
And, you know, I finally got a human being, right? That's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. But I guess the thing to me that struck me was that if a MetLife voice recording can make me that angry, what kinds of, how do I deal with, with more significant things that make me angry? If I can't deal with MetLife in a 45-minute delay in my daughter's drive test, which she passed, congratulations, Susanna, what does that say about me? Because our emotions can trick us, and anger is the one thing that can really, really trick us up. It turns out that you can be angry. It's one of those few emotions that you can be angry without recognizing that you're angry. You know, have you ever talked to a friend or maybe your spouse? I am not angry. You know, it's the way they say it, right? It's like, um, you know, so if, if you're angry and you know it, clap your hands. I mean, there's no, there, that's not a song, right? It's because most of the time we are not, we, we don't even pick it up. And let me just say this. Anger in itself is not a bad thing. Never apologize for your emotions, right? They're a gift. Anger is a very, very valuable gift. There are no bad emotions, but there are emotions that have gone bad. And anger is so powerful that we need to handle it with care. Anger, when used wisely, can get things done. It can give us the motivation to do something, which is a good thing. It can alert us that there's something not right in our life that needs to change, and that's good. Jesus got angry himself, right? He got so angry with the religious leaders of his day because they were beginning to make money off of folks. They were, they were stiff-arming uh, poor people that couldn't get into the temple. They were making all this money, and one day Jesus had it, and he walks into the temple, and he kicks over the table, and he drives out the money changers because to, to him it was like his father's house was becoming... I just got louder, didn't I? Did I get louder? Okay, that's okay. But, but his boy, you know, his father's house, the temple, was becoming a den of thieves and not a house of prayer for all people. And that made people angry. A lot of times in the Gospel of Mark, Mark 5, Jesus heals someone and it says that he makes, it, he felt it in his bowels, it said. It was, he was almost angry that this person was not well. And I think he always got angry where there was a lack of love and consideration for others, where there was a lack of community, there was a lack of God's kingdom. And it made him angry, and rightly so. Paul says this in Ephesians 4.26, Be angry, but sin not. John Chrysostom, about 1,800 years ago, said this, an early church uh, father of the church, The one who becomes irritable, Without reason, sins. Further, the one who does not become irate when he, has caused, when he has caused to be sins for unreasonable patience is the hotbed of many vices. Anger can move you to deal with a threat or with someone's well-being. Yet anger misused or held on to can be a threat to your own well-being. Do not... Do not give in to your anger, says Jesus. Step one in following me in being faithful to God's kingdom is do not let your anger, do not give in to your anger, do not misuse your anger. 
Anger is dynamite that was meant to destroy something, right? And so we have to be careful with it. It's meant to break up something that's not right in the world. The problem is that it can destroy your own body. Doctors can tell you that anger among all emotions can destroy your body, can destroy your health. Anger, if not taking handled carefully, can destroy community. How many of us have said something out of anger that we wish, the moment we said it, we wish we could take it back? It can destroy community. Anger, anger can be incredibly destructive. It's dynamite. Anger can destroy our wisdom. It says in Proverbs, a quick-tempered man or woman displays folly. The problem with anger is that you keep needing more of it in order to consume more and more. So the challenge for us in the infinite game is to figure out how to look at our anger differently. Jesus says, step one, handle your anger with care. If anger is sometimes a given in our life, which it is, you told me, so what do we do? How do we handle it? Well, there's a way. Anger denial, it will not work. I'm not saying pretend like you're not angry because you're going to get angry again. Being quick to anger won't work either. But what about being slow to anger? If you go back all the way to Exodus 34 in Moses, Moses is literally in between a rock and a hard place. And Moses asks Jesus to reveal, ask God to reveal himself. And God says, oh, I'm going to pass by. Just You need to wait. But, but God told Moses, you wait until I get by you and you can see the back of me as I walk by. And this is what the Lord said. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for the thousandth generation, forgiving the iniquity and transgression of sin. The kind of anger that we are given to should be slow anger. Because you and I, we have been made in the image of God. So what does it mean to be slow in anger? It means perhaps to see a bit of ourselves in our neighbor, in the stranger, and even in our enemy. Now that is hard stuff, isn't it? To see a bit of our own humanity in even the people that make us angry. That way, anger won't blind us to our brother and sister. Notice Jesus is very relational. He's digging deeper into the law, and he's talking about what, how should we live that relationships, that friendships, even enemies might be reconciled. So we recognize our brother and sister. We recognize that we're angry. It's okay to recognize that. The second thing that we do after we've recognized our anger is this. We need to question our anger. Have a conversation with your anger. All right? Have a conversation with it. Why am I angry is a great question to ask. What is happening inside me to make me feel this way? What threat am I defending? It may be that you discover 
that you should very well be angry about this and maybe you should do something about it. But you might discover like me that oftentimes the reason I'm angry is because somebody messed with my ego. I'm angry because it's about me, myself, and I, the personal trinity of selfishness. And maybe I just need to let that go. Because y'all, even a bad day for an ego, your ego is a good day for your soul. So we let that go. But if my anger is between me and another person, then Jesus calls me to play offense, right? It's not enough to say, okay, I'm going to try not to be angry. But what Jesus is calling us to do is to approach and make amends with the people, to try to understand, to bring it there. And that is a vulnerable thing to admit to someone that maybe I'm angry and here's, here's why I need you to help me out. That is so difficult. But that is what Jesus says is the kingdom of God. That is the infinite game. Because the infinite game is this. You no longer have uh, enemies. You're not trying to win over your enemies, says Jesus Christ. You are trying to join God in the redemption of all people, which includes your enemies. Whoever is angry with a brother is liable to judgment, is what Jesus says. And those words are as strong as battery acid. I'm so glad Jesus didn't say whoever gets angry with a brother is li- or a sister is liable to judgment, because we all get angry. But I think Jesus is talking about a state of being where we stay angry. I think some people get angry, don't deal with it, and they don't even know where that anger is coming from. They're disappointed. They're angry. It's a state of being. And the point of Jesus' strong words is to deliver us. It's not, it's that when I give in to my own anger, it's I'm the one that's in danger. Because I am willingly putting myself beyond inside the prison doors and locking myself in and thinking I'm doing something to someone else. Fred Beekner says, anger is drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It never works. It only deteriorates you and me. You could almost make a case of salvation, that salvation is about being delivered from our anger. There was no more angry man in first century than Paul of Tarsus. Paul went to the best schools. He, uh, the football team won every Saturday, you know. He, I mean, Paul was like, he had everything. When he talked about his past, he was trying not to brag. He was talking about his trophies. But Paul was angry. He was angry because he thought these Christians were messing with his beautiful faith, and he had set out in his own righteous anger to do away with these Christians and to mop them up. He held the coats for people who killed Stephen, and it probably made him angry when Stephen, before he died, said, Father, forgive them. Because Paul didn't want to hear any of that. Until one day, Paul was knocked off his horse, blinded by the light, and he was, um, he was confronted by Jesus who said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Why are you angry? Quit thinking you've got some, something in charge and, uh, to go after people and come follow me and I'll turn that anger into something beautiful. The irony Paul was prayed over by someone who was scared of him, Ananias. Scales came off his eyes. 
And then he became an apostle of God's love. And he even pushed Christianity beyond its boundaries because he believed that God even loved the Gentiles and the Goyim and people who didn't know much about God. Another irony? Most of the most beautiful things Paul ever wrote, he was behind physical bars. They put him in prison often, and he was beaten and flogged. And if you looked at winners and losers in his day, Paul would have looked like a big loser, giving up his you know, status and his titles and all that. But I'll tell you, I bet if Paul were here today, he would say those physical bars were nothing compared to the spiritual bars I put in my life because I was so angry. You see, Paul was set free. And though sometimes he was trapped behind bars, he found the key of the grace of Jesus Christ and he followed it. Y'all, the reason Jesus preaches to us about the infinite gain of loving our brother and sister instead of being angry at them is because mountains have been moved because people have been saved from their anger into something more beautiful. Just last summer, Ken Parker participated in the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. Ken was a former Grand Dragon of the KKK until the... And, 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 and get this, he was disappointed in the KKK because they weren't hateful enough, so he joined the Nazi party. He went to Charlottesville, Virginia to start a race riot is what his goal was. He was angry. He lived in Jacksonville, Florida. His neighbor, an African-American, William McKinnon III, who one day walked right past Ken's Nazi flag and knocked on his door. And when Ken opened the door, William said, My name is William. I'm your next-door neighbor, and it's great to meet you. William began to chip away because he did not see someone who had been rejected by God, even though on the outside it looked like that. He saw someone who needed to be set free from his anger. And William was the preacher. He was a preacher at the predominantly black Pentecostal church in Jacksonville. And one month ago, William baptized Ken in his church. That is because William was playing the infinite game. And the infinite game is a lot more powerful than the finite game. That is our mission. That is our job. Those of you who are parents, or those of you who have been children at one time, we've all been children, know that there's always this infinite game versus finite game being played when your kids are, are teenagers, right? Right? Anybody go through that? Difficult conversations where sometimes you as an adult will hear things you, that your child says that make your blood boil, that, make, that break your heart. You think, I must not be getting through to you. And you hear some sometimes hurtful words come out of your child. And then as a parent, you have this sort of golden moment like a doctor does about making a decision. You can withdraw. You can walk out of the room. Go watch ESPN. Do your thing. That's a choice. Or you can pay back 
right? You can throw in equal measures hurt word, hurtful word for a hurtful word. After all, you've had a 25-year head start on your child, right? On verbal abuse. You could win that battle, right? But just like in this infinite and finite game, that's a battle that when you win, you really lose. Third thing you can do is this. You can perform a surgical strike. You can remember that your love for your child, your child's love for you, will, it, it's, 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 it's never going to end. And so you lean in and you say, I love you too much to let this go. I'm going to lean in. And then you absorb it and you tell your child that you love your child even when it's hard. The man on the hill who preached this sermon that we're going to be listening to for the next six, six months, the man on the hill who preached this sermon continued to preach about anger and love. And his words on the hill, he, he continued to preach it, but he stopped using words. He started to do it after his sermon about anger. His words on the hill became the storm that he lived through. And people who were blinded by their own anger at Jesus, that's the whole gospel story. It just it says in every gospel, they got mad and they started to figure out a way to get rid of this guy. Every turn says it in all the gospels. They were driven to do something by their what? Anger. Jesus came to them in weakness and in vulnerability. He invited them to freedom. And they mocked him and they beat him. And since Jesus came in human form 2,000 years ago, they killed him. All because they were angry. He preached on a hill, he died on a hill. He invited us to the infinite life, a life that is no longer marked by anger, but by love. He leaned in on that cross and he said, Father, forgive them. They are clueless. Even to that point, Jesus saw human beings created in the image of God. Even in their anger, they could not make Jesus their enemy. You see, he changed this infinite story once and for all. And we melted in that knowledge. He revealed to us on both hills what it means to be free from anger. And now he says, here are the keys. You are free to unlock yourself out of your own anger. You are salt. You are light. And this is yours for the taking. It's a Baptist preacher, and I'm going to end with this. But think about this. How are you relating to your anger? How are you handling your anger? Jesus says step one is to search deep in your heart and ask God to search you that you might let go of maybe some residual anger that has been built up and you don't know what to do with. The beautiful thing Jesus says is, you know, even before you leave your gift at the altar, go make it right. Do something about it. Play offense with your anger. Because if you can deal with this dynamite we call anger, then maybe these next few things that Jesus calls us to do, as we depend on Jesus on the cross, on His love, maybe we can see Him a little bit more clearly.
and be reminded that we're playing the infinite game, not the finite game anymore. You're in Jesus' kingdom. You're salt and you're light. Baptist preacher Martin Luther King, I know he's a civil rights leader, and I, I, I admire him for all of the work he did. But let's not forget, he was a Baptist preacher in Alabama and very reluctant in civil rights. Well, he did it, though. He said, I'll go. I'll do it. And he paid with his very life. This is one thing he said. And tell me if this is not the infinite game. Think about your own anger. Think about how you relate to other people. Tell me if this is not what Jesus is asking us to do. Dr. King, I've seen too much hate to want to hate myself. And every time I see it, I say to myself, hate is too great a burden to bear. Somehow, we must be able to stand up against our most bitter opponents and say, we shall match your capacity to inflict suffering by our capacity to endure suffering. We will meet your physical force with soul force. Do to us what you will, and we will still love you. We cannot in all good conscience obey your unjust laws and abide by the unjust system because non-cooperation with evil is as much a moral obligation as cooperation with good. So throw us in jail, and we will still love you. bomb our homes and threaten our children. And as difficult as it will be, we will still love you. Send your hooded perpetrators of violence into our communities. And at the midnight hour and drag us out on some wayside road and leave us half dead as you beat us, and we will still love you. Send your propaganda agents around the country and make it appear that we are not fit culturally or otherwise for integration. But we will still love you. But be assured, we will wear you down by our capacity to suffer. And one day we will win our freedom. We will not only win freedom for ourselves, we will appeal to your heart and conscience that we will win you in the process. And our victory will be a double victory. That is salt and light. That is the infinite game. And it seems impossible, but y'all remember that the one who taught on the hill died on the hill so that it might be so. You and I, let's play the infinite game. Let us pray. Oh God, we all get angry. We express it in different ways. Some of us run, some of us hide, some of us pretend like we're not angry. But Lord, we're fooling ourselves if we don't say sometimes we get angry. God, help us. Help us to know that you invite us to a different kind of way. Help us to handle this TNT called anger carefully, wisely, beautifully, and with love. So that, oh God, enemies might turn into friends. For that we know, oh God, is our purpose.
May we be salt. May we be light. Let it be so. Amen. I invite you to stand now as we sing our closing song.